Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. Almost 48 hours on and it still isn't any easier to digest. Is this the end of football as we know it? Arsenal, Manchester United, Liverpool, Tottenham, Chelsea and Manchester City, the Premier League's big six, or perhaps now we should call them the Dirty Dozen. The football world exploded on Sunday when proposals of a new breakaway European Super League emerged, those six clubs joining six others from across the continent to leave everyone else for dead. Fans hate it, players hate it and pundits hate it. What next for the beautiful game and what has become the most ugly of situations? In amongst the mayhem, Mourinho was handed his marching orders. The Spurs boss sacked yesterday, just days before a cup final. We try and pick up the pieces following an afternoon that sent shockwaves through the world of football. There are still six games of the season to go, but have the latest developments sapped all enthusiasm out of this strangest of Premier League seasons? This is Football Social Daily and alongside me today to chew the fat, and trust me, there is plenty of fat to chew. We've got Matt Cunningham. How are you doing, Matt? I'm good, thank you. I'm ready to have a, a bit of a conversation <laughs> about what's been um, happening in this world. I bet you've got a bustling notepad down there. There is so much to say. We've also got straight talking Stefan Armstrong. How's it going, Steph? Yeah, really good, actually. Um, I'm probably not the guy you want on this uh, show. <laughs> Why? Are you, are you going to bring us bring the hammer down? Yeah, do you know what? I might, yeah, I, I might play opposites, you know, just go, go against the grain, say that the Super League's the best thing that I've ever heard devil's advocate i think that is called I, I was hoping for a little bit of straight talking from straight talking stefan but it doesn't sound like <coughs> we're gonna get it <laughs> now nah, you will you will 100 percent. happy days well anyway in amongst all the madness there was a premier league game last night that's where we're gonna start liverpool won leeds won and my first question stefan did anyone care about this game did it lose all of its integrity after the Super League announcement, because on yesterday's podcast, I was really struggling to get enthusiastic about a game involving a Liverpool side who, on face value, are still trying to get into the top four. They're still trying to qualify for next season's Champions League. But after them being one of the six Premier League clubs that signed up to the European Super League project, it just felt like completely meaningless. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, it didn't ruin the integrity of the game uh, or the, the competition as it stands, but it just took all focus away from it, uh, which is a shame because it's quite a good uh, tie Leeds United against Liverpool, especially for Monday night. I'm usually coming onto this podcast on a Tuesday and I'm talking about West Brom. Crystal against, Palace. Yeah, Crystal <laughs> Palace, West Brom, Brighton. These, these are the teams that play every Monday night. So to have Leeds, Liverpool, I was thinking that's all right, decent. I mean, Leeds have got a bit of form at the minute and Liverpool are obviously chasing Champions League, so it could have been good. But it, last night had nothing to do with the game. Um, and... Point, point in case is that pretty much everybody that I know uh, watched uh, Gary Neville and Jim Carragher talk for 45 minutes about another league which uh, might, may or may not happen as opposed to watching the game. I don't know anybody who watched the Liverpool game last night, but I know a lot of people who watched the pre-match uh, you know, 
amble, which is odd, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would side with that. I think the majority of people who tuned in to Sky Sports last night tuned in to see what Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher had to say about European Super League, considering Gary Neville is a Manchester United legend, Jamie Carragher is a Liverpool legend, and it's fair to say, Matt, that Jurgen Klopp is a Liverpool legend as well. And a lot of people were tuning in to hear what he had to say, particularly considering in 2019, he came out and made some comments publicly condemning the potential of a European Super League. He also said that he didn't think it was fair that his players were the ones that were being targeted. He didn't feel that it was fair that the team in general, the actual football team, were the ones that were being targeted after everything here came out. What did you make of his comments? He seemed to be very defensive when he was questioned about it. He did. He, he did. He's, he's, a, he's a proud and passionate man. And I think in the thrones of passion, Gary Neville, in the heat of the moment, poked the bear a little bit. He, he, he really sort of stuck it to a lot of football clubs, Liverpool being one of them. And he didn't, he did really point it towards the owners, but at times it felt like he was going at the clubs, at the players. He maybe didn't know who was involved, whatever. So Klopp was just biting back. And, you, you know, it's, it's just a case of standing his ground and standing up for his players, which he, he's always been a man to do, really. So I don't um, blame Jurgen Klopp one bit for what he said. I also think it was a, a strong and, and quite powerful thing for him to do to stand out against it, considering that his employers are at the very, very forefront of the whole idea. For him to sit there in a press conference and say, no, I haven't changed my mind, I still don't like it, I thought was, was, was a specifically powerful thing to do. Yeah, well, Gary Neville said yesterday that the owners of these clubs, Matt, are faceless. Uh, and they're almost faceless and they're cowardly and they don't ever come out and put their names to things. I think Jurgen Klopp felt a bit annoyed yesterday that he was the one that was being sort of ask these questions. I think Jurgen Klopp sometimes needs to come to terms with the fact that as the manager, he is the face of Liverpool Football Club. So naturally, with the territory, he's going to get fired some barbs about what is possibly being proposed, the European Super League. So I do think he needs to understand exactly where the wider community is coming from. There are also question marks about integrity. Now, we can come on to this a little bit later with Jose Mourinho, who we will talk about on the podcast. But in terms of integrity, Marley said on yesterday's podcast that the most you know, gracious thing that Jurgen Klopp can do would be to tender his resignation. But he isn't going to do that because if he gets sacked, he gets a payout. If he resigns, he doesn't. So do you think that there is a little bit of, of the selfishness there? Not from Jurgen Klopp. I'm not calling him a selfish person, but just on the whole, we've seen so much selfishness in football in the last 48 hours. It's not exclusive to just the owners. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, in terms of his resignation specifically, I, I agree with you. He, he won't. He, I don't think he'll do that. In fact, I see no way that that happens. Um, his players seem to be on his side as well. Seem to agree with him. And they're really the only club that um, the players and, and and as you said, the face of the club, the manager, have stood out against it so far. I thought Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was was thrown under the bus massively, and and, and reports of that are coming out that there's maybe been a bit of a tiff at the training at Carrington this morning. Um, they didn't feel that, that you know it was dealt with in the right way on their end um, after the United and Burnley game. But for Jurgen Klopp, I, I think he does understand that he's the face of the club, and that's why he didn't change his mind. I think he he does understand that. He does get that. I don't personally think he'll resign because not for selfish reasons, but because he's a man and 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 people like money. That's just it's, that's just humans doing human things, you know. There's, I've been a lot of talk, and the, the the buzzword seems to be greed at the moment, but. The one residing thing in football for the for as as long as I've been alive has been greed. Um, I, I think it's it, it's hypocritical and, and and comical at best when people like UEFA and and FIFA and the Premier League start spouting about the greed of the European Super League and the greed of the top six clubs because it exists in every single inch of the footballing pyramid and the footballing world. It's just the way the sport works. There's so much money in it. Um, sometimes it feels like there's not enough to go around because people are taking such large cuts, and this is just a power struggle. It's just the growing pains and, and, and power shifts of an organisation and an industry that is growing massively year on year, regardless of, of, of the pandemic, regardless of coronavirus, because there's so much love and, and passion for football, as we have seen in the last few days. Yeah, absolutely. The outpouring has been unbelievable. But I thought it was interesting what the players had to say as well, Stefan, after the Liverpool against Leeds game. James Milner and Patrick Bamford from Liverpool and Leeds respectively were both interviewed post-match, both admitted 
not explicitly, but they kind of around the houses said that they didn't like the proposals for a European Super League. Do you think the players are key to reversing this? We heard yesterday on the podcast from Roger Bell from Visible, who said that one of the key issues financially in football is the amount of player power and agent power that is held by those two parties in the modern game. With the notion that these players who are involved with these 12 clubs who have decided they're going to try and break away, the potential of them being banned from international football, playing for their national teams in the Euros and the World Cup, do you think the players here are the absolute key to possibly stopping this in its tracks? Uh, It was clear last night that no player who played wanted this to go ahead. So that that, that was clear from... Uh, whether it was Bamford, Milner, and a couple of people, a couple of players came out on social media uh, earlier during the day. Um, so that's that's clear that the the idea is not liked. Um, so there, therein lies the fact that the players do have control here because how can you start a league if if all your um, if all your players hand in transfer requests? Um, you, you're not you're not you're not going to have any teams to play. Um, so yeah, of course it's it's all to do with whether the players want to do it. Um, I'm surprised there wasn't a consultation with with players, not even at these uh, so-called top six clubs, but you know across the whole Premier League, maybe even maybe even uh, further down into the football league. Is do they like the idea of this? Because Matt was kind of touching upon it there, and this just this whole thing just highlights a bigger problem with football. Um, and I kind of want to I'm kind of glad that this conversation has happened because this year uh, football has been the least exciting product um, that I can think of I've I've, I've not enjoyed uh, watching football this year I think there's far too many games far too many competitions Um VAR is ruining the game, um, and the clubs the clubs are feeling this as well. Um, they're having to play too much. You talk about playing too much. Jurgen Klopp has been one of those managers who's come out, yeah. and you know, really been firm and taken a real stance about the amount of games that his players have had to play. With these new proposals, they'd be playing more midweek games, particularly if it replaces the Champions League. So, I mean, it just goes to show, I think, that these owners haven't listened to even their most top employees. Yeah, but it, it's it's a double-sided problem because it's the owners who aren't listening, but it's also current establishments. It's people who are sat in FA offices. It's people who are sat at UEFA. It's people who are sat at FIFA. Uh, to to be able to not have any dialogue and uh, to, to let it come to this um, with, without any conversation about it beforehand just shows how how much of a closed shop these establishments are as well and so yeah we, we can talk about the the chairman of these top six clubs um being greedy and uh being crooks but the people at fifa are crooks as well infinito is a crook they're all crooks and the, the, a nice beautiful game is slowly getting ruined by essentially bureaucracy and administration and for for people like me, it turns me off, and I've felt like this all year. I've not enjoyed watching top level football all year because it's 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 forced. It's turning me off. It doesn't feel good, um, and it's not exciting. So for a fan like me, um, I'm gonna look elsewhere. I'm gonna look to lower leagues. I'm gonna look to other foreign leagues because I'm I'm not real. I'm not enjoying it. And and that's why it's kind of good that this came out because maybe we can reach uh, reach some common ground and something can change a little bit to make the product more exciting to people like me, um, but also fair for the wider football community as well because you you don't want to see smaller clubs potentially getting hurt by this this closed off uh, European Super League. Yeah, well, Florentino Perez, who is the chairman of Real Madrid, claimed that sixteen to twenty four year olds are not as interested in football. And they need some changes in the game to make it more exciting. That to me is a load of bluster. What no, that a load of it, f- that is it, by the way. It, it, yeah, it's crazy. That that just that just proves a point because all all the problems that we're having in football are caused by these people. Yeah, uh, it, I I just I just find it now bizarre. How does Mr. Perez, who's I think he's in his seventies, how does he know what sixteen to twenty-four year olds want? Has he has he asked them? 
Has he done market <laughs> research? Of course he hasn't. He doesn't give a f- He's more interested in about the amount of money that he makes. And listen, you're right. It does feel like the can has been kicked down the road time and time again. And now finally, we are fronting up to an existential problem that I think has brought the game of football into disrepute. I don't think there's two ways about it. It's not so much, it's not the case of, oh, it's a bit of drama in football right now. It's brought the game of football as we know it in Europe into disrepute. So naturally, UEFA will be tied into that. And Matt, you're right too. UEFA aren't innocent in all of this. They need to take a real inward look at themselves and think, how has this been allowed to happen? But UEFA representatives yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, said that European Super League teams, or those who have signed up, that are still in European competition this season, will be kicked out as soon as possible. That includes the Champions League, of which Manchester City and Chelsea are both in the semi-finals. Arsenal and Manchester United are in the semi-finals of the Europa League. We could find out by Friday, or at least even sooner this week, that Manchester City and Chelsea would be removed from this season's Champions League. If that is the case, and they are booted out of the competition, for you, is that the right call? See, this is where it gets a bit difficult for me. This is where I tend to, to, to stray from the pack. I would say no, I would say definitely not. And I would also say that it also won't happen. I wouldn't, if, if you're hoping that that's something that happens... You know, I, w- I would start tempering your hopes and expectations now because there is no way. You have to bear in mind Real Madrid are also in the, in, in the semi-finals as well. So it would mean an automatic Champions League win for Paris Saint-Germain without playing another game of football. There's been a lot yeah. of talk about greed, but I promise you, UEFA still want the revenue from those from those three, four, five remaining games. But in that, I promise in, you. in that case, whoever wins the Champions League final will be rewarded with £60 million. Why should UEFA and the broadcasters hand the winners of the Champions League £60 million as a well-done prize when they're just going to swan off anyway and make their own league because that's what they want to do. And I think this is the difficult situation that UEFA find themselves in. I understand what you say about kind of deviating from it, but for me, that's a a player thing. It's not fair on the players who have competed, not knowing that this was in the pipeline, and they're the ones on the pitch that have earned the right to get to the semi-finals of the Champions League. They're the ones who I think would be unfairly punished. Well, well, the, the first thing I would say to that is that I think the players, as we said, in the, for the most part, from what we've heard, are opposed to it at the moment. I would say the ones that are staying quiet are just waiting to see because there's a lot of money involved in, in these new talks. And if, personally, I don't think a game of European Super League football will ever be played, and I'm not sure anyone actually believes it will, even the people that are organising it. I, I personally think that it is the European elite and football's elite pressing hard on a bruise that says we are the reason why you make as much money as you make. In the Premier League, they don't sell. They don't, the, the Premier League contract is not sold on the basis of Brighton versus Fulham, unfortunately. We might enjoy it. We may watch those games, but that's not what it's sold on. It's sold on Manchester United's football matches and Liverpool's football matches. And they obviously feel as though they're not paid accordingly for that. I think it's also, in large part, down to the issue that we have of um, countries like Qatar and Abu Dhabi buying football clubs that it has made it unfair. And UEFA have said that they would implement rules. They may have implemented one, you've heard of it, I'm sure, called financial fair play, but we've never seen it exercised. And I think that has been a a, a major issue for the top clubs in European football for a long time. Now, that was part of what um, Project Big Picture was about. I think people missed the point on Project Big Picture in that they wanted, in, in return for helping the football pyramid with the money that they have, they wanted a bit more power so that they could stop um, super rich and mega rich from buying football clubs and really ruining competition and blasting competition away because it's not right and it's not fair and it isn't the way football was built. So I think that's the issue. I don't think that Joe Glazer or Florentino Perez or any of the other guys actually think a game is going to be played. I think it's a fantastic bargaining chip. From a footballing standpoint, I personally feel like the European Super League is one of the worst things I've heard of. I wouldn't enjoy it. I really wouldn't enjoy it. I love watching Manchester United play Barcelona. I love watching Liverpool play Real Madrid. I do. I don't want to watch it every single week. And I also don't want the Champions League to go, really. I enjoy the Champions League. I enjoy things the way they are. But from a business standpoint, I completely understand where they're coming from in the sense that they have been asking and crying for things to be done for a long time in the way of money specifically in football, in the way of everyone gets an equal cut in the Premier League, which, to be fair, I don't mind, but I don't think United and Liverpool approve of it considering how much more power they have and how much more pull and draw they have for the Premier League than most of the clubs, than all of the clubs in there. And I also think there's a larger issue that's between the lines in this. It, it, it hasn't been blasted on the front pages so far, but I don't think that they approve of these mega-rich owners buying success. And I think they're, they're eventually trying to get things put in place to prevent that. And the only way this falls apart, the only way this all comes to an end, 
is if there are major ramifications to the football system that we know that prevents that from happening. That's what I personally think this is all about. And from the players' standpoint that you mentioned, I don't think negotiations so far, in my opinion, have reached the players, which is why most are remaining quiet, but some have stepped out against it. Because should it get to that stage where we start negotiating with players and we say, we want you to still play for us, we, we, you know, we'll do this, we'll do that, the contracts will get bigger. Players are as greedy as owners, players are as greedy as, as I am, as you are, as anyone is. Everyone's just trying to get a bit more money in, 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 in the world. That's unfortunately the way it is. And once you maybe double their salary or, or times it by 1.5, I'm sure they'll get on board slowly but surely. However, I don't think it will reach that stage because it's a bargaining chip to push on a bruise that really marginalizes the European elite after 100, 150 years of hard work within a meritocracy, meritocracy to get to the position that they're in. I totally understand your point, uh, but I would also caveat that and say that, you know, because Arsenal and Tottenham are in the top 10 richest clubs in Europe, that that goes against competition, that they want a divine right to stay in a division of which they can always scoop up the money. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a notion and an idea which completely fundamentally goes against sport in Europe. And if you look at the majority of the owners who are pushing this through, trying to sanction this, trying to get this sanctioned, I should say, they come from American backgrounds. A chunk of them own American sports teams. You know, if you take Arsenal, for example, Mr. Kroenke owns an American sports team of which it is franchise entertainment. They don't have competition. Now, the competition is that whoever wins the World Series or the Super Bowl or whatever great well done you get a trophy at the end of it congratulations whoever finishes bottom gets first pick of the players and it's just a system that doesn't make sense on this continent and they've come over to europe and they've tried to do things their way because they like it we don't like it and it's not up to them so listen i mean we can talk about specific clubs and i mentioned arsenal there for me steph it was manchester city who i was most disappointed with because Two years ago, as Matt said about FFP, not even two years ago, it was about a year ago, they had UEFA's pants down regarding FFP. They took UEFA to the cleaners. They absolutely smoked them in court and it came out at the Court of Arbitration for Sport. Manchester City won the case and UEFA didn't have a leg to stand on in the end. It was all about, for Manchester City fans, you tried to stop us becoming one of the elite. You, you know, you didn't want us to join your little party. Now Manchester City have gone and gone and jumped into bed with the exact people that they were trying to fight against. It makes little to no sense to me. And that must be a real sickening blow for obviously all supporters of the six clubs. But Manchester City, for me, were the one that disappointed me the most. So I was just laughing there at the, um, the idea of Crystal Palace getting first pick on Lionel Messi next season. Because <laughs> they finished towards the bottom of the Premier League. Yeah, it's crazy, <laughs> isn't it? Crazy. Yeah, no... Um, yeah, you're exactly right, Niall. And um, it just highlights the fact that, again, they're all crooks. Uh, it's it, these, I'm going to call them fake money clubs. Um, just buying success and, and ruining heritage and tradition. Um, it's, what, what else do you expect? It's, it's mm. what suits these clubs at that particular time. Mm. But it's not just a problem of the clubs. It's the problem with football. Football is going through a strange transitional period where new rules are being implemented, where they're trying to appeal to um, global fan bases of people in America, people in China, people who, to be honest with you, there must be thousands of people in, in America who support Wolverhampton Wanderers just because they like, you know, the, the mm. crest. You know what I mean? So Well, Wolves would how, be the how, champions how, of the Premier League in 2018. If uh... <laughs> yeah, they probably would be. Yeah. So so it's 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 bizarre that football's going through a weird point mm. uh, in history where it's it's fully moved away from being a working class game right. and has moved towards being a you know a, a capitalist game. Yeah. And whether that move means moving into a franchise model, well, that might just be the way that football goes because because. That's the way the world's going. The world mm. isn't a perfect place. The world's pretty f***ed up, and so is football. Yeah. Um, and it just makes people like yourself, like me, like Matt, more frustrated because uh, there's a certain nostalgia that we have for, for a game of football. Mm. There's, there's, there's glorious moments which, which, which cannot be taken away from you. Yeah. But it feels like the game is being taken away from you. A couple of years ago, I tweeted saying that in my mid-20s as a Portsmouth fan, I'd seen us 
play in all four professional divisions of English football. I've seen us play in the Premier League and beat teams like Manchester United. I've seen us win the FA Cup. I've seen us play in Europe against heavyweights like AC Milan, one of the 12 clubs involved in this potential European Super League. But I've also seen us lose to York City 4-1 at Bootham Crescent, Steph. I've seen in the, the short <laughs> time I've been a football <laughs> fan compared to so many others that have now been dubbed legacy fans, which is a joke, by the way. At the age of 24, 25, as, as I was a couple of years ago when I put this on social media, I had seen my club do all of those things. And that is because of the pyramid system we have in English football. The only reason that I've been able to yeah. enjoy that roller coaster, and, and there's been so many downs as well as ups, the only reason I've been able to enjoy that is because of what we've got in this country, the system that we've got. Let's not forget that the reason that so many people are up in arms about this is because, of course, it's the history. We invented football. <laughs> Calm down, mate, Bassett. We invented football know, and we're yeah, taking yeah, it it's back. It's our game. It's our game. It's our <laughs> game. Yeah. But still, um, uh, before we go to a break, because, of course, somehow engulfed in all of the European Super League news, one of the biggest managers of all time was sacked by Tottenham Hotspur yesterday and it barely got any coverage. We'll come on to that in the second part of the show. Before we go to the break, Steph, other reports are claiming that cracks are now beginning to show in the big six regarding this European Super League. Mm -hmm. Teams possibly starting to back down from the stance they took before. A report here from uh, Sky Sports suggests there are now strong differences of opinion emerging in private between breakaway Super League clubs. Some executives involved believe they're being hung out to dry and are beginning to get cold feet. They're nervous and <laughs> disappointed about the way it's been handled. They can't handle the heat, can they, it seems like? I mean, if that happens and they decide to come crawling back to the table, is it too late? Do you think they should be punished anyway for bringing the game into disrepute? Do you think those six clubs, should they decide to rip up the plans like Matt says, he doesn't think it's going to happen, he think it's, thinks it's all posturing, but have they crossed the line, Steph? Do they need to be punished for the actions that they've taken? Because, as was rightly pointed out yesterday, the timing of it is atrocious. We're still, you know, got six games left of the Premier League season to play. I don't think they should be punished for proposing plans. I think I think you can you can maybe you can argue for a punishment if they go ahead with plans. Um, but again, it comes back to that it started a, a serious hot debate about the future of football, which football needed. So I've got no I've got no problem with them proposing these plans. Um, that that that's not a problem for me. It, it's all about it's all about what you do with football afterwards. Uh, I'm with Matt. I don't think these plans will go ahead. Um, but if it makes it, if it makes the Champions League more interesting next year, then I'll take it. You know what I mean? Uh, so I, d I don't think it's got anything to do with that. It's just for me, it's just bringing a bit of bringing a bit of harmony back to football, um, so that so that a fan like you can go to AC Milan and have a have a great trip with Portsmouth but you can also go to York City yeah. and have a great trip with Portsmouth that's 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 what it means <laughs> for me because those those two tie those two ties are both you know serious european heavyweights you know AC Milan and York City and <laughs> and you should be able to enjoy that uh, no matter where you are uh, no matter what team you support <laughs> but but it's true it's true you should you know it shouldn't be a closed book um and that's that's the big problem with this so i'm just hoping that it leads to a better league uh, a better champions league um more in, more interesting cup competitions and i'm hoping that it it gives uh, a football author authorities a chance to to correct what's gone wrong in the game in recent years uh, i'm talking about things like var um the biggest the biggest kind of um uh uh oversight from from these clubs is that they forgot about the hand that feeds them and ultimately if if a fan isn't on board with what you're trying to do then you've not got a football club anymore you've just got a badge um, can i just say as well on, on that same topic that i read those rumors it came about last night about two clubs potentially backing down and the two clubs that were named was city and chelsea which to me spoke massive massive amounts that that to me when I, when I read all the list of the clubs I thought well there's all there's all of Europe's elite and two clubs that have snuck their way in in the last 10 or 15 years with an absurd amount of money and then the rumors came out that perhaps Chelsea and City didn't really like the idea they weren't really fond of it but they felt they'd miss out on a huge financial opportunity if they didn't get on board that to me a is more pathetic than the whole situation in general and the fact that they're backing out immediately, that they just wanted a financial opportunity and that was it. 
because they know that they don't have the pulling power and the draw of the other clubs in that competition. And with a backlash, they're suddenly starting to panic and backtrack. That to me is A, more pathetic, but B, also says that it is what I, what, what I believe it to be. That it's about the, the top clubs in European football trying to get a bit more power and control to prevent teams like City and Chelsea doing what they do. They may have been strung along, but there was Roman Abramovich or Sheikh Mansour weren't at the top of the food chain in the, in the European Super League. It was Juventus, Real Madrid and Manchester United because they wanted to control the rules and make sure that they could oversee whoever buys a new club, any new owners, so on and so forth. And I think that's why City and Chelsea are backtracking. I, th I really think it is. And a lot has been spoke as well, we've not touched on it, but about the lack of the two German teams, the two major German teams and Paris Saint-Germain in this whole thing and, mm. and, and I heard your... And, and they've, the German teams have condemned it, haven't they? They've, they've completely they taken a stance against it. Yeah, yeah. And I heard what you said yesterday as well, Niall, about how, you know, the best game you've watched this season was Bayern Munich and Paris Saint-Germain and I completely agree. But I do think the reason why Bayern Munich and Dortmund are, are not involved and have taken a stance against it and condemned it is because they have a rule that I know to be called the 50 plus one rule, which means that fans yeah. own the football clubs in Germany and you could never pass, get this past the fans. Because there's a lot, unfortunately, as business and football goes, there's a lot of board meetings, finances, conversations, negotiations that go on mm. that us fans can never know. We can never yeah. understand. But I, I'm, I feel almost certain that the board members and the top end of Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund are all for it, but they know they can't get it past the fans. Mm. And as for Paris Saint-Germain, they're owned by Qatar, who have the World Cup next year. And I'm not sure they would undermine FIFA one year before they're due to play a World Indeed, Cup, that yeah. they want all the best players to play at. Of course they do. 100%. So I think it's a bit fickle when, when, you, when you start to really consider which teams this is about and what is trying to be said. I feel like it paints the picture a bit more clearly in that it's more so mm. preventing and marginalising teams like City and Paris Saint-Germain. And not yeah. even necessarily giving more power or more money to Manchester United, Real Madrid, so on and so forth, or Liverpool. They don't really need it. They're in debt, of course they are, and they might want to like to get out of that debt. Anyone would. I have a student debt. I'd love to get out of it. Um, <laughs> but I don't think that's the major issue. I think the major issue is marginalising teams like PSG and Real Madrid, which to me made it seem comical and also really eye-opening <laughs> when Chelsea and City, uh, it's not happened yet, but are supposedly the first teams to back out, considering that they, in my opinion, are the odd ones out. They, didn't, they, they stood out to me when I read the list as the odd ones out. Yeah. Well, let, let me tell you this. AC Milan haven't won Serie A in, in nine years. Inter haven't won Serie A in 10 years. When was the last time Manchester United won the Premier League? What about Arsenal? What about Tottenham? 60 years ago. You're talking about teams that are claiming to be the best of the best. It's a load of rubbish. It's a load of rubbish. And that is why the Champions League even gets its question marks. And talking of the Champions League, UEFA president Alexander Seferan has been talking about the revelations regarding the European Super League. He said, I know we have snakes near us. But I didn't realise how near they actually were. So some damning words from him. I'm sure the European Super League story will rumble on. We'll cover it all here on Football Social Daily. It does have massive Premier League permutations. And a big story in the Premier League that happened yesterday that was almost suppressed because of this European Super League news was the fact that Tottenham sacked Jose Mourinho. It broke whilst we were recording the show yesterday. We'll talk about it a little bit more next here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. European Super League over the last 48 hours. It has completely dominated the football landscape, including here on the podcast. So much so that even when Jose Mourinho got sacked yesterday, it still wasn't the first thing on everybody's lips when it comes to Premier League news. But that has been the case. Daniel Levy uh, of Tottenham Hotspur, who are one of the six breakaway clubs from the Premier League involved in this potential European Super League, has sacked manager Jose Mourinho. We still know very, very little about this, Stefan, because as I say, it's kind of been engulfed by that European Super League news. But what next now for Tottenham Hotspur? Levy wanted a marquee manager and he got him in Jose Mourinho. He wanted someone who could win Tottenham trophies. They've got a cup final at the weekend. They're playing Manchester City in the League Cup final. I mean, where do they go from here? I know they've got Ryan Mason in temporary charge until the end of the season. But but what's the plan from Tottenham? It seems rash from Daniel Levy to, to make a decision without having a plan in mind. Yeah, absolutely bizarre. Um 
why on earth you would sack him a week before their first cup final in a long time um, that they can potentially win is uh, is crazy. I don't I, I don't get it. I mean, it'd be fair to say there's been enough analysis done on on uh, Mourinho's Tottenham team. Um, they had a good start, um, obviously being top at Premier League, um, and it slipped. The style slipped. Um, the results have slipped. So that that's fair enough. But this that's this is an end of a season sacking. It seems a bit of an odd thing to do just before um, a cup final. So whether there's uh, uh, other issues there, um, whether players have got issues with the way he does things and that there's been a bit of a revolt, or indeed whether it has got something to do with the Super League stuff um, and Mourinho doesn't want to play ball. Um, then... So you have the thought then, Stefan, that Jose wouldn't have been there next season anyway? Um, no, because because the project didn't seem to go right, and the moment Jose Mourinho starts coming out with his sound bites, where he's he's bigging himself up, he's saying, "Oh, it's the same manager but a different team," that sort of stuff. The moment Mourinho starts to do that, then the writing's on the wall. He's only got a certain amount of time left. And to be honest with you, it it, it was it was a bit of a fifty fifty whether it was going to work at Tottenham anyway. I don't think Tottenham had the spend or the squad that Mourinho needed. Uh, for them to really compete for the Premier League or get into later stages of uh, cup competitions. It wasn't working for Mourinho, was it? I think it's fair to say it wasn't working for him. However, you know, it's hard not to draw a link between this and the Super League stuff. Yeah, I think think that's why it happened uh, on that day. Um, I think, ultimately, uh, Daniel Levy's probably had an ultimatum. uh, And he's he's had to make a decision. Um, So that's happened. in terms of where Tottenham go next, it it's dead tough. I know I know uh, the front runner is already Brendan Rodgers, but I would I wouldn't be leaving a Leicester squad which um, is better than a, the current Tottenham squad. I know that Tottenham are, are deemed to be a bigger club, but do you know what? In this moment of time, they're not as big as Leicester, so it, that doesn't make sense for me for Brendan Rodgers. Um, then Leicester then, are also in a cup final as well, aren't they? So exactly, and, you know, if Tottenham are expelled from the Premier League, I mean. Where does that put Brendan Rodgers? It puts Brendan Rodgers in a in a great position with Leicester. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if Leicester are probably, <laughs> do you know what? That's that's why all this European Super League sort of stuff is quite interesting because do you know what? I'd quite like to see another team win win the league, and I'd love it to be Leicester again. I've got no problem with that. But that's that's a different conversation in terms of where Tottenham go next. It, it's just the usual football names that come up: Max Allegri, all of these lot. Um, they'll have to go down this sort of route so it's strange I don't I don't see um uh who, who is it is it Ryan Mason who who's um who's uh interim boss uh, that sort of thing doesn't really make sense to me do they do they stick with somebody who knows Tottenham a Ledley King type I mean you can do but these guys are all unproven and uh the reason why they brought Mourinho in is because they wanted instant success um, and that's not worked out. And I don't see any other manager that's currently out there who'd be able to do that. So it's it's a strange time for football and it's a strange time for Tottenham. They kind of That Tottenham team kind of feels a little bit soulless to me right now as well. Mm-hmm. I've seen very, very few Tottenham fans as well condemning the Super League. I'm sure there are absolutely thousands that are. But I don't know. I, I don't know how they feel about the whole thing because, you know, I think it's only in the last decade that they've really became a a European club that regularly features in in competitions sanctioned by UEFA and you know I know they got to the Champions League final a couple of years ago but you know not long ago they were celebrating Harry Redknapp getting them into the Champions League and finishing fourth so you know we have to have to wait and see what happens there but whatever next season looks like Matt who do you think could be next through the door at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium Stefan's already said that Brendan Rodgers is the favourite with the bookies he's the front runner uh, Max Allegri, another uh, manager out of work who's managed at one top European club in the past. What about you? Are there any contenders for you that spring to mind immediately? It seems like a rather peculiar time to be chopping and changing your manager. It is. It is a bit unusual. And I, I'm, I'm, for starters, I'm almost convinced that Mourinho has got some ex-politician um, spin doctor on his team because it is an age-old technique in journalism to bury bad news under worse news. And it came out at the absolute <laughs> perfect time to where it wasn't even front-page news that Mourinho got sacked. It just slipped under the bill and we carried on talking about the European Super League and he sort of got away yeah. with it. And he'll probably walk into another top job because maybe people will forget about 
his, his shortcomings at, at Spurs. As for in- but will he in the Premier League though, Matt? Will he walk into a top job in the Premier League, do you think? Or do you think it will be overseas? Again? I don't think so. Yeah, I think his number's up in the Premier League. Um, he, he'll probably benefit from from a, a, going to a separate league where maybe they don't look with with as um, a watchful eye over him as we do when he's in the Premier League. But I think he, he'll still get a top job somewhere. I heard Florentino Perez name drop him um, in his in his conversation with El Chiringuito yesterday. So maybe, but we'll have to wait and see. I think as, as far as a replacement, there's Julian Nagelsmann, who's, his name has been banded around. He's been looking for a job in the Premier League, I think, for quite a while now. Yeah. Um, I mean, he could be on his way to Bayern Munich, though, as well, because they need a new manager. So, so there's a natural link there. But certainly he would be a, a fresh appointment. He could. And, and I think him to Bayern Munich make, makes much more sense, which is why I feel, and this might not make much sense, but Nuno Espirito Santo looks like the guy to me. It, it seemed like a perfect fit. Um, there was rumours that came up recently that his agents were going around offering him to clubs, which seems like he wants out. If you if you listen to his interviews, if you listen to him speak, his press conferences, he seems like a dejected man. They've been hampered drastically by injuries, and I think it's really got the better of him, and they've not performed as well as they would have done otherwise this season. And he's a fantastic manager, a lovable guy. He's really what Spurs what Spurs' answer to say Solskjaer would be in that he's the complete contrast to Jose Mourinho and it works. It works. If you give a player a, a brash, harsh manager that will push you to one side and doesn't want to talk to you if you play, if you make a bad pass or play bad and then you bring in a, a nice guy, a really nice guy, a good guy like Nuno Espirito Santo, it's, it, it just works. That's what, that's what the feeling around Old Trafford um, I think was when Solskjaer came in and that's what the difference was and why he got off to such a fantastic start where you know they almost couldn't lose a game when he first joined. Um, so I think obviously that for that to be for that to happen it would have to be at the end of the season and they, they would need someone in the meanwhile. But to me, Nuno Espirito Santo makes a lot of sense. Rodgers, I, I suppose, is also a possible name. It, it's more so just that I don't see him leaving Leicester. Things have been going so well there. Does he leave to go to a club that have really been in free fall since the day Mauricio Pochettino walked out the door? I don't think he takes that risk, even though the club is of a bigger stature than the one he's currently at. Mm, yeah, definitely. I, I can't think about what happens next for Tottenham Hotspur. I don't even know who I would put in the frame to take over the reins there. Really interesting situation. I wonder how things will pan out in North London. There is a Premier League game tonight. Chelsea against Brighton takes place this oh, evening. Is that- who cares, Steph? Does anyone care now? <laughs> well, I won't be watching it. That's, that is a fact. Chelsea want the top four and they can still get it. They're in the FA Cup final. They're in the Champions League semi-final. Thomas Tuchel's done a very, very good job. Considering that the Chelsea players that they signed in the summer have been a flop and they spent 200000000 million, they're doing pretty well this season. But let's take this in a Premier League context, considering it is a Premier League game against Brighton. They want to finish in the top four, Chelsea, to qualify for the Champions League. But is that an irrelevance now? We don't even know if there's going to be a Champions League next season. So it's hard to get enthusiastic about this game, much like the Liverpool game last night. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's it's a little bit odd. As I, say, I think you've got to assume there will be a Champions League next year. So so team teams will still be gunning for that top four uh, spot. Um, and Chelsea, uh, by the looks of it, on form... Um, I know they've had a recent slip up but they're looking pretty good uh, Tuchel's gone in there and organised them and he's, he's got them playing in a style um, they're looking good uh, Liverpool slipped up last night against Leeds um, so t- tonight's the night for, for Chelsea to really cement that fourth place um, And it just feels so hollow Steph it just feels so hollow yeah, and the rest it, of the yeah, season will now, I think. This game just feels... It does, mate. It does, mate. It, it all comes back to that bigger picture that there's, there's serious problems in football. Um, so, so yeah, I know this is a Premier League podcast, so maybe, maybe we start a new podcast, Niall. Um, let's... <laughs> no. European Super League Daily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Scottish Championship Daily. Let's do that one. You know what I mean? <laughs> at, least, at least we've got no rich clubs who are money grabbers. We've got no uh, VAR to annoy people. 
uh, and it doesn't matter whether teams come in the uh, top four or not. So <laughs> maybe that's what we need to do. But no, but in all seriousness, um, yeah, it's a weird one. It, it's it's going to cast a weird shadow again on, on tonight's game. Uh, I'm not going to watch, but I imagine the preamble will all be about the European Super League. Um, yeah. Managers like Tuchel have to come out and uh, with a bit of egg on their face and, you know, because they've mm. been thrown under the bus a little bit by their, their bosses. Uh, so yeah. they'll have to play the diplomatic line. Much like Klopp did last night, um, Klopp, Klopp managed to to uh, man- managed to he- sell his opinion a little bit last night without getting into too much trouble from his employers. Mm. Uh, and yeah. Tuchel will do the same tonight. So it, it's it's a weird one. Look, Brighton never beat Chelsea, um, so I don't expect anything other than than a Chelsea victory and 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 uh, a, a bit of a top fall. Mm. Um, cementing job uh, being done um, with with yep. six games to go. We should say as well that there have been plenty of comments about Sky Sports as a broadcaster and their backing of the breakaway Premier League when it began in 1992. And it wouldn't be fair for me to go through this whole podcast damning the European Super League without mentioning what happened in 1992, of which a cluster of clubs decided they were going to break away and form a new league. However, the Premier League isn't a closed shop. As Brighton will tell you, You can get promoted to the Premier League. You can get relegated from the Premier League. Look at a club like Sunderland. Look at a club like Portsmouth, like Bolton Wanderers. They've gone all the way up and all the way back down again. It doesn't happen. If you close that door, that competition is eroded. And I think that that is a key part of it. So you can talk about how certain clubs were part of a breakaway in 1992 and Sky were part of it and everything else. And yet there are question marks and debates to be had about that. We could probably do a whole other podcast about that in all fairness. But the key difference for me is the absence of competition in this new European Super League. Niall, how how would you feel about uh, an instance where um, there's almost a split in football codes, much like uh, rugby union and rugby league? Darts, yeah. Rugby, um, yeah. Where if if these if these clubs want to go off and, and form their own European Super League, you let them do that. They can't compete in anything else. But that, that's that's something that caters to a certain type of person who wants that type yeah. of football. And certain players will, will, will gravitate towards that and others will stick with the more traditional yeah. format. Um one one can have one can have VAR, one 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 won't have VAR. Um one one will, will change offside rules so it so it's more attacking and it's more interesting, another won't. Um how would you feel about that? Because that for me I think is although although it, it it really ruptures football and it, it it changes it changes everything that 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 could be interesting because as i've said three four times already in the last hour i'm bored of football yeah it could but it isn't going to work rugby union has far more money than rugby league and i think that that is evident in the quality of the product as well uh, and you know rugby league is only po- popular in the north of england where i'm from in the south rugby league isn't popular it's all about rugby union and i think it would be too diluted steph and i see where you're coming from and i think i probably would sway towards the the way that football was before the technology came in and before this big fracture happened but at the end of the day i, I use this example on yesterday's podcast what about someone like phil foden who's only 20 years old and who is literally on the cusp of achieving something incredible uh, you know and being an unbelievable football player for England and his team Manchester City the team he's grown up supporting he's walked out as a mascot holding hands with players back in the day and yet now he could be vetoed from playing for England in the Euros in the World Cup and I just don't think that's fair on certain players it might not be too bad for someone reaching the end of their career like Zlatan Ibrahimovic who could be 40 soon you know, he what's he going to care? He isn't going to get a loan to Derby County. I mean, look at players like Harry Kane. <laughs> look how many teams he went on loan to. Leighton Orient, Norwich City, Leicester City, Millwall. And now he's one of the best strikers on planet Earth. If you take that avenue away, does Harry Kane become the player that he is now? I don't think he does. Because I don't think there will be the ability to cross codes. Because we don't see that too often, even in rugby league. I think a good example was Sam Burgess. And after a couple of seasons playing rugby union, he jumped back to rugby league because he didn't like it. So I'm not sure that plan would work Um, as much as I'd like it to come to a head and come to a conclusion. I I just can't see that happening and I can't see it working. I think there are too many hoops to jump through. I mean, just even academy lads, for example. I mean, what happens there? Do your under 18s go and play against AC Milan under 18s? I mean, you're ferrying kids around all the time and, you know, they they, they don't have a chance to go and go out on loan and, 
you know, if, if you've got an academy team, how many academy players actually make it through to the first team? Of your 20 players, probably four or five get professional contracts and the rest of them get released. And then what do they do? If they're released into a Super League and the other 12, the other 11 teams don't want to pick them up, then where do they go? They're just thrown on the on the scrap heap. So I think there are so many questions to be to be answered about this. And I think this is why, you know, the hoops that they have to jump through is probably why I think you might be on on the side of, of correct when it comes to this possibly not happening because that is the only saving grace for me is that there are so many hurdles for these teams to jump through to get this through that it's almost impossible that they're going to find their way through now listen we need to talk about brighton we'll do that very quickly before the end of the show um if they win against chelsea it would be a surprise as stefan says matt but it keeps them up in the premier league for another season and you have to say that considering things look quite dicey Graham Potter's won a lot of fans and a lot of plaudits for the way he's had Brighton playing this year. Yeah, they've played great football all year. I've really enjoyed watching Brighton. And to be honest with you, I'm amazed that they're still, they're still down there and they're still in that position. I do think they're already safe. Um, it sells the game better, obviously, if we assume that they need to win this one specifically to, 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 um, to stay up. But I do think they're already safe. I've watched a bit of West Brom and Fulham of recent and they look... Well, well Fulham have been unlucky, but... Unlucky has been the story of their season. They've drawn way too many games they should have won, and I don't think that's going to change within the remaining few games. So I do think the bottom three are the three that are already down, and Brighton will stay up, and I'm happy about that. They've played good football. I think you deserve to be rewarded for, for, for playing good, positive attacking football, as they have done, and Graham Potter, as you said, has done a fantastic job. And, and another season in the Premier League will, barring any huge changes, spell another 100 million for Brighton, um, which is massive for their football club. But I think one thing that you've got to bear in mind is relegation has been a hot topic as of recent. And for a club like Brighton, who teeter on the edge but just about stay in most seasons, that 100 million, it keeps on building, it keeps building. Eventually, they become a club of stature that really can't get relegated. They become too big. For instance, I would say that the top six are also too big to go down, similarly to the European Super League's format, whereby they did say five clubs can get, pr uh, can get promoted into it, um, the five best foreign teams from Europe but there's no relegation. The no relegation is, is a terrible idea, of course. Um, but it's not much different from the Premier League because United are not going anywhere and, and Chelsea and Arsenal and Tottenham and City are not going anywhere. They, maybe once upon a time, they were in the second division, United were, but not anytime soon. There is no relegation for those clubs from the Premier League either because they're just too powerful at this stage. Yeah, no, I, I can see where you're coming from. Listen, we could talk about this for another hour at least. Appreciate your company as always. Matt, Stefan, are you going to go and try and catch a non-league game when you can, Steph? Yeah, I'm, uh, what is it, on the May Bank holiday, I'm off up to Hartlepool to watch Hartlepool. <laughs> <laughs> he knows how to pick him, he knows how to pick him. Um, thanks very much for listening into the podcast. Of course, we'll try and keep across everything when it comes to the European Super League uh, and indeed the second of Jose Mourinho at Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast and that way you won't ever miss another episode again. Of course, brand new shows every single day of the Premier League season. We don't even know if there's going to be a Premier League next year. Maybe it won't be the same as we know it. More to come, of course, on all the breaking news in the football world. We'll see you tomorrow on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Find us on Twitter at The Sports Social. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.